You're listening to the Racer to Racer podcast presented by Race 92. Race 92 is a vintage-inspired racing apparel brand specializing in celebrating vintage race culture and adapting to motorsports today. Check out Race92.com for all your racing merchandise needs. I'm your co-host, Aaron McAtee, other co-host. You may have seen walking out of Barber Lounge 459 with big old smile on his face. You may have seen him at a dirt track. He is Scott Bowie. Hey, Aaron. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing great, and I know you're doing great, too, because you are nice and warm, thanks to the good guys at the good guys. The good folks at good guys. Yeah, I am I am nice and warm. Everything's working good. Everybody at my uh, parents' house, everybody's warm there uh, because the good folks are good guys. So, yeah, they definitely take care of me, and they'll take care of anyone else out there in the Indianapolis area if you just look them up. Absolutely. Thanks to everyone who listens. If you haven't, please hit like and subscribe. Check us out on YouTube. We we are over 300 subscribers now, so thank you to everyone. So let's keep getting the number up. So if you haven't subscribed, please do so. We don't only do the podcast. We've done a lot of different video projects as well, um, and we're still working on some. Obviously, we have our partnership now with Fast Times Indoor Karting, where we're doing our Pro vs. Joe's video series. Um, we just recorded one last week. That was really good. Um, you weren't at that one, but I was there. Jacob was there. And um, it was a good one. It was with three former pro drivers. So I think everyone will really, really enjoy that one. We'll get that released in a few weeks, hopefully. And then um, there's another one that we haven't even released yet that will be coming out hopefully this week. Um, and then, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So if you're in the Indy area, please go check out Fast Times Indoor Karting. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's definitely the best indoor go-kart place um, in Indianapolis. It's definitely the most intense and I think the most realistic as far as if you really want to get a, a feel for what it's like to <clears throat> really be a racing driver. Um, it's definitely the place to go. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a good workout and it gives you good perspective, kind of what it's like to be a race car driver. Yeah, it's like I said before, you got to get your elbows up there and and uh you gotta drive i mean it's a tight course it's fast got a lot of grip um so everything's coming at you pretty quick um so yeah i i'd say that's a very accurate assessment though i mean it's pretty close to the real thing and if you watch if you watch our videos you can see with some of these pros what their fast times are and you can see how how close you can get to their times maybe you can even beat them um, we have a board actually up at the front counter. So if you do go there, you'll see Race to Racer podcast presented by Race 92, Pro vs. Joe's. And then I'm even on the board. I'm, a couple more times, I'm going to be off that board because we're going to run out <laughs> of room. But that's fine. Um, I improved my time the last time. So I'm happy about that. Jacob actually was a little slower than his previous time, but um, I'm getting faster. So that's a good thing. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So please check out Fast Times. Special thanks to them. And then um, hopefully we can get some other stuff worked out with them as well and maybe get some people involved where they can actually come and maybe participate in some of the stuff with us. <clears throat> yeah, I think that, that uh, if we can get something like that worked out, people have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, So I know it's definitely something Aaron's been working on. So we'll see where that goes. Absolutely. Um, let's see what else we got. So we we are planning on having a live show McGilvery's in January. Um, we'll we'll get back on the exact date on that. And um so thanks to Top Gun Racing, Granking Race Shops for um sponsoring those events at McGilvery's. I know the one in November or December, I'm sorry, December sixth was Obviously, really good one. Something we're probably not going to be able to really match up to, and I think we're okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, just the quality of guests was so amazing. Um, it was kind of a lightning in the bottle evening uh, for everybody involved. So uh, why I believe we'll have a lot of events that are just as fun. It, it's going to be a little hard to match that, but uh now i'm looking forward to the next show and and i'm looking forward to doing more of those absolutely only other sponsor i got unless i miss anything else racer collect thanks patrick Patton. please check out racercollect.com 
for any of your racing memorabilia needs. Um, definitely has some great stuff on his website. Um, as far as racing news, I know Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona will be here very, very soon. The ro the roar before the Rolex is coming up here in a couple weeks. So um, <clears throat> it's really the big first big racing event um, of the year. So a lot of people I know really look look forward to watching it, including myself. And it'll be um, you know this year I know they're they have their full capacity. So um, you know a lot of new manufacturers cars. So it's gonna it's gonna be a pretty good year there, I believe. Yeah, I mean, uh, beginning of the year brings the Chili Bowl, it brings the Rolex, it brings, um, you know, Daytona. So, and then IndyCar isn't too far behind it when it kicks off in March uh, in St. Pete. So, it's getting here. Speaking of racing, my nephew raced over the weekend. He uh, had a new car, another new car. Uh, he ran really well. Unfortunately, got run over in the semi and got a throttle cable broken. You know, it's indoor racing. That's what happens. Uh, but he looked really good. He was in a transfer spot in the B main behind some uh, really great drivers. And um, so uh, he's made a lot of progress. And other than that, um, Daniel Robinson ended up winning uh, the race. It was the Knipper uh, 55, which is after the junior Knipper and the Knipper family, like Steve Knipper and that. Um, always a great race to attend. Uh, there's another race in March at Ducoin. So if anybody's looking for some uh, open wheel racing in March, uh, look that up. It's at the Southern Illinois Center at the uh, fairgrounds in Ducoin. So it's good racing, good time. Other than that, some sad news. Um, friend of the show, good friend of mine, very good friend of mine, Ken Schmidt, uh, lost his father. Um, so, man, all the best wishes go out to Kent. Kent's one of my all-time buddies. Um, and then uh, Racing World lost another pioneer of the sport in a lot of ways, uh, Daryl Saucer, who uh, really known in the Sprint car midget world. Daryl's team actually won Chili Bowl with uh, Damien Garner. Um, ten you know, probably about ten years ago now. Um, Daryl, just a long time competitor in the world of Outlaws, um, was one of the first people. So he, so fuel pumps used to always be made out of magnesium, and uh, they were cast. He was one of the first people to make aluminum fuel pumps. So uh, he's really a pioneer in the sport of all motorsports. Um, so it's sad to lose Daryl. I've spent a lot of days talking to Daryl and his wife, Cindy. And it's a big loss for someone like myself. And uh, my heart goes out to her. So um, absolutely, <laughs> that, uh, very sad. But uh, he, he, he brought a lot of joy to a lot of people's lives while he was here. And, and he was always such a great source of knowledge and always had the great best stories. I'm really sad that we never had him on the show. Um, but like you and I've talked about before, that's why we do this show so we can get those stories. Unfortunately, it was an unexpected passing and, and we just never had a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, <clears throat> I mean, so the guest is, I mean, first off, do we have any other racing news? Don't, I, I can't think of anything. I've been kind of glancing around here and there, and I, I just haven't really. It's just that dead part of the season. I see even David so, Land's doing things like, "What if F one, yeah, it's like awesome. ran the oval or something?" He's just trying to fill time, right? Well, so um, I know we have a chili bowl coming up, so we'll definitely plan on doing our annual. It'll be the second year, right? Second year third. or third year? This My bad, third. third year. Third year. It'll be the second as racer to racer, but it'll yep. be our third year of the Chili Bowl live event. So we'll, um, we'll start working on that. We'll get, get some new people maybe. And, um, they were going to have to try to get this guy on it right there. Who, who you point at? I can't Jagger see you Mr. Jagger Jones. We'll try to get Jagger on. Um, Jagger will be back here maybe that week doing media, uh, stuff with, uh, Andy next. Um, I believe that's when they do all their media, like they do their filmings and their headshots and 
all the type of things for the races, you know, that you see the, the standups and all that. So, uh, I think it's that week, you know, it all kind of blends together. So I may be wrong. Um, so I don't know if he'll be in town necessarily Saturday night, but I think he's going to be in town here during that week. Um, yeah, you know, there's just, yeah, we definitely, uh, got to start looking for some people and, and see if we can get, uh, one of our guests from last year, Tanner Holmes actually competing in this year's chili bowl. He's driving for, uh, uh, Chad boat, uh, motorsports. So, uh, I'd be anxious to see how he does. Great racer. He had a breakout season this year in the sprint cars. Uh, so I'll be, I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah, no, for sure. So we are releasing this week, Alexandro St. Petery. Um, Alexandro, I mean, really one of the nicest guys in racing, right? Drove in three Indianapolis 500s. He's poor super cup champion. Just a great guy, you know, very talented guy. Um, and you know, now he's in real estate. But um, I, I really enjoyed speaking with him. He was somebody that I met uh, when he it was during U.S. Grand Prix. He was racing the Porsche Super Cup, and I remember meeting him out there. And I'll always remember because I remember how nice he was and um, just very, very kind individual. And um, I mean, I can't say enough nice things about him. Just great guy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's the first time I talked to him. It was a great interview. Uh, very refreshing how honest he is. Um, yes. Not that our other guests haven't been. It's just he has a certain uh, pointedness to his conversation mm-hmm. that I really uh, respect. Um, and, you know, he's, there's a guy there at Indianapolis Motor Speedway didn't treat him very kind, um, unfortunately. But he, he ran very well there. Uh, just you know, victim of circumstances and, but, uh, great talk. It was, it was a good time talking to him. So. Absolutely. And we will be getting to 2023 before we know it. And like we have said past couple times, we're sticking with our theme from last year, which was jumping into the new year. Yep. And that's going to be a good one. That's going to be a really good one. Yes. So I can't we, wait till we've we already that. recorded it and we had a really great time. Me personally, I know I definitely had a great time um, because it was someone that I really um, kind of grew up. My childhood was, you know, Watson stuff with with him involved. So it's really great to really sit down with him and um, <clears throat> get get to, you know, really pick his brain about a couple things. And I got to answer got to answer some of the questions I've wondered um, for <laughs> most of my childhood. So it was good. Uh, I think a lot of people will enjoy it, and um, it's crazy that we're already getting in 2023 and definitely looking forward to what 2023 will bring. Yeah, uh, it's uh, definitely, definitely, definitely looking forward to it. So I hope everyone enjoys our interview with Alexander Zingpetri, and I hope everyone has a great week. Yeah, uh, the absolute best holiday wishes to everyone out there. Thank you for listening and you know i know some of you listen every week thank you so much it means a lot and um everyone take care yep happy holidays our guest today is a former poor super cup champion and drove in three indianapolis 500s we're joined by alexander st petri alexander thank you so much for joining us um it's an honor to have you on the show and i actually remember i, I met you um it would have been formula one the usgp when you were doing the poor super cup um, and I, I've always remembered meeting you. Um, so it's really cool to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's always, always a pleasure. And I, I don't get to to talk about my racing career very much or uh, lately, you know, with, uh, with my new life. So it's, it's cool to, to, to go back and talk to some indie folks. Absolutely. No, we hear that a lot, actually. Um, a lot of people like yourself get, you know, normal jobs outside of racing and it's kind of like they're, almost like their secret double life right that a lot of people don't even know about yeah 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 indeed but um so talk a little bit about how how did you get interested in racing to begin with oh man i was uh you know like a bit of a motorhead since i was a little kid so my dad bought me and my brother the first motorcycle when we were like five years old um so uh that that was like 
like, you know, where kind of like everything started with engines. And then um, when I was nine years old, he brought me to a little go-kart track uh, near uh, where we lived. And uh, he knew some people there, you know, typical, you know, father something, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I fall in love with this like little four-wheel things going so fast around corners. And uh, so like six months later, I bagged him so much that he bought me a, a little one. and. Um, and that's how everything started. So how old were you when you were in your first like actual like go-kart race? So I was 12 years old because uh, back in those days, uh, you could only start racing when you were 12 years old. So from like when I was nine until I was 12, I just trained. Uh, so my mom was taking me to the racetrack and I would just like spend, you know, the whole afternoon after school. You know, it's just like pick me up in school, take me to the racetrack, and I would spend like the whole afternoon there just, you know, driving around, going through tank of fuels and learn. Um, so that's uh, that's how it happened. And then when I was 12, I could finally start racing. How long was, was it before you, how long was it before you, you, you had your uh, first success? Uh, it came pretty fast. I mean, uh, that, that seasons, you know, they were all like, um, I raced for like a year, a couple of years on like local race, like around my regions and everything. And I, I think I won in my last, like in my third or fourth race, you know, something like oh, that. Wow. It's, been, it's been a long time, but I mean, I got a head start because I basically, you know, trained for three years and uh so when i when i got to into the races i was um i was already pretty fast i i just like needed to learn a little bit the racing and the side by side and the overtaking and those things but uh you know it was it was pretty quick how long um so a after the go-kart racing obviously you got into formula car racing right what was the first actual like race car that you drove um after karting <laughs> So uh, back in the day, so it was like late 80s uh, when um, when I did, uh, there wasn't like that many formula. Now there's a lot of options. Like you have like right. Formula 4 and like Formula 3 and Renault. And so like there's really a tons of ways, you know, to start racing cars. You know, back in those days, there was only one series, which was this like Formula Alfa Romeo, which was uh, basically the first step into, you know, racing cars and the step before Formula 3. So I, I did that in 1988. Uh, that was my first season. Uh, and uh, and then I got some like good results, but I was, uh, you know, in a very um, new team, you know, not super well-funded, but I, I managed to get some like really good results. And the top team, you know, basically asked me if I, you know, I was available to go and race for them. Um, of course, back in those days, you know, like probably today, you still had to bring some sponsorship. So the, the, but the team was already had some sponsors on their own. So, you know, I didn't need to bring the full budget, but, uh, I had some sponsorship and, um, so we did the 1989 season was, um, you know, an incredible season. I won, I think seven out of the 10 races we had, I did. I think nine pole position and did eight fastest lap in the race. Um, so I totally dominated the championship, um, which then, you know, uh, after that, I became Alfa Romeo works driver for Formula 3. So I got the engine supply for free. I got, you know, a lot of other things. And, you know, that got my real career started in Formula 3. And I mean, at that point, would you say that your your goal was to be in Formula One because you're kind of following the path to Formula One, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, when you're kids and you're racing go karts back in those days in Italy, in Europe, you know, the goal is to go to Formula One. I mean, that's that's the goal. That's sure. uh, that's what you're aiming for, hundred percent. And the path, you know, um, I was following, you know, all the all the right steps. And where, what would you, uh, you know, and, and um, how much, how much uh, time in that, in that, uh, you know, better term is program or, or in that ladder, you know, trying to progress to Formula One, how, how long a time period do you, you spend in that? 
So, yeah, that's a very good question because it's always been, uh, you know, a goal of mine because like either you're good or you're not, right? I right. mean, it's like you can now race for five years in the same series and like spinning your wheels and trying to, you know, finishing nine and ten, you know, otherwise it's not your job, right? It's like my dad was pretty... <laughs> pretty clear to me you know and 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 I was always very strong with myself you know I just wouldn't keep on racing you know without but then you know as you go and you just go into the series you know you you have to deal with a lot of components you know that it's just not you you know so it's always um and uh you know some luck you know being at the right time in the right car the right engines you know so so um Basically, I, I've tried to not spend more than two seasons, you know, so I did 88 uh, my first year in Formula Alpha and 89 was Formula Alpha Romeo and I won everything, you know, and then in Formula 3, I actually spent two seasons, uh, 1990 and 1991. Um, I was, I would say, very fast, but not as successful as I wanted to be. Uh, in 1990, I drove uh, the Dallara car which um, it was uh, not a very good car that year. Reynard actually won the championship. Um, and uh, so we struggled, um, although I got some good results. And then in 1991, I moved to the Reynard team. You know, it was the Camel. It was me and Jack Vilner. We were teammates oh, wow. um, with, the, with the Camel team. And uh, we got the Reynard. And uh, the Reynard was a disaster that year. Um, maybe if Rigorn uh, listened to my podcast, he's still you know upset with me because I, and that's probably why he never want me, wanted me to to race uh, a Reynard card in IndyCar or, or like didn't help me for sure, like he did help others. Uh, but I mean, it is what it is. I think I was the only driver going on the podium in Formula Three in Europe with a Reynard card that year. Um, but then we switched to Ralt. Um, and uh, I got podium finishes. I got second, third. I was um, basically in front of Jacques uh, all the season in the championship. So I was always fairly quicker than him. But then, you know, I got some mechanical failures and, you know, other things. So we ended up having, you know, a very strong season, but not as... Uh, as meaningful as we wanted it to be uh, winning. And we had like Luca Badorge, you know, the, those years in Formula 3 in Italy, there were like 45 cars oh, fighting. Wow. So, yeah. And uh, there's uh, actually, this is funny, but there were two racetracks in Italy, Varano and uh, Magione, where only 16 cars will start in Magione and 18 cars in Varano. So out of 40. So it means everybody else, wow. you know, didn't raise the final. So, and and in that season, um, in '91, I I got into both of those races and pretty decently. And and I remember Jacques did not qualify for those two. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, this is uh, the story. Eventually, ended up different, you know, for him than it did for me. Um, and we're still good friends, you know, but. Uh, uh, that's it. And then I moved to Formula 3000, uh, which was, uh, it is the, the actual Formula 2. And uh, I did that for two two seasons, 92 and 93. Um, again, you know, there was um, tough competitions, you know, yeah, that was racing against, you know, Jill DeFerrin, Pedro Lamy, you know, uh, Olivier Panis. Uh, I mean, it was, they were tough years, you know, with Reynard and Cosworth and Mugen engines. It was fun. It was a lot. I did well, you know, in 92, I had, I think, five top seven finish, you know, but I only finished in the point twice, you know, only the first six top points. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was always, always the same, but I was racing, you know, Rubens, also Barrichello was racing, you know, the, it was really, really fun, you know, and, uh, and I was fast. Um, and in 93, I basically formed Nordic Racing, uh, which ended up being a very successful team in Formula 3000. You know, they won the championship with Justin Wilson uh, following years. But um, Derek Maurer uh, was the owner. And Derek um, uh, started a team. We did it together uh, after uh, Tom's uh, Toyota, which I signed to race for. They decided not to, to race in Formula 3000. 
So I had to put a deal together at the last time. And then they decided to come racing with a Japanese driver, Hideki Noda. So it was a bit of a crazy situation. Uh, almost the same one I, I had in 97 with Andy Evans in Scandia, but that's uh, maybe for, for another day. Um, <laughs> well, that'd be about the fourth or fifth Andy Evans story we've had on here. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I'm sure you heard a few. Uh, even if I think I'm probably the one that's got the, the best ones, but, uh, the, um, uh, so then I, I, we finished on a podium, uh, in 93 in, at the Nürburgring. I was on the front row in Spa, so really quick, but, you know, I was alone in the team, just one car, you know, very little right. practice. So, you know, either we get it right or not. So it, it's, um, you know, this is where probably the most critical time in my career came, you know, because like, you know, you're fast, you know, you're, you know, you're up there, but you know, you always have to always something right and um so but my team owner uh derek mauer said also you you're very fast you got the speed you know uh <laughs> you're never gonna get into formula one basically because i don't know if you guys remember but back in those days uh there were like i think 10 or 11 italian drivers in formula one out of the 22 <laughs> and right. he and the other ones were like nelson piquet Ayrton senna nigel mansell you know like <laughs> all the you know world champions that they, they weren't going anywhere right so it was basically impossible for a young driver even david coulthard which also writes with me in 3000 he got a, a test driver job at williams uh because you know he, he just couldn't get it right i mean unless you showed up with two three millions and you get to drive for minardi simtech pacific you know one of the teams that you're always on the last row and you're right. never going to do much, right? So, and then he said, you should look at the IndyCar and, you know, try to, to go there because I think you can be very good there. So I was, uh, I don't know, probably maybe the first young, you know, from Formula 3000 to come here and race Indy from Europe. I don't know if there was anybody else. Maybe you guys know better than I do, but, you know, that was 1994. And other than, you know, someone trying to do like one race or two, uh, but like doing a full season, there weren't that many, you know, you had Theo Fabi, you had others that came, but sort of like on the downside of their career, you know, like Derek Daly came, you know, but he was already been from Formula One driver and, you know, so on. So, yeah. yeah. So. Theo, he started off good. He just, he had some bad breaks and just never got, yeah. uh, he never got the, uh, I mean, they never got to show the real, you know, just the finishes didn't weren't worthy of his driving. And on a lot of days, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what I can say too is, uh, I mean, he's been in Formula One. He was, uh, you know, one of the top drivers, and uh, you know, for sure, you always, you know, like you know, many others, you know, when they came over and and raced, you know, I just. Uh, wish you know that uh you know some people maybe understand that you know maybe when some of those drivers were coming over you know they didn't have the same motivations or the same sure. you know, willingness that you know they were here kind of like at the end of their career you know and tiafe was like that you know he had right. his business and i mean i'm sure you know his story right when you know him and his brother his brother was uh as quick as him or maybe even quicker, you know, but then their dad died. So they had to, you know, run the family business with, they had a mine, you know, so, but then when, you know, the opportunity came, you know, uh, Tio had a ride and Corrado didn't. So Corrado ended up running the mine and Tio had kept racing and, um, it's a nice story. I mean, it's a beautiful family. It was very fast, but. I guess, you know, this is life in racing. You know, you probably heard the trillion stories of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the auto racing is so, I, I it's like thread the, the eye of a needle, right? I mean, it's just yeah. the, the chance to do it. Yeah. It's, uh, you get it, you get it right, you know, and, and your career goes like amazing or you just like, you know, and then you have ups and downs and you know, so. It is what it is, you know, it's like occasions sure. and, um, and, uh, and opportunities and then your life gets a turn in one way or gets a turn on another. 
Now, was IndyCar racing or Indy 500, I mean, especially like the Indy 500, was that something you really paid attention to kind of before you decided you were going to go IndyCar racing or was it kind of a new aspect for you since you were kind of focused on Formula One? No, no, no. I mean, as a as a kid, you know, I was uh, always watching everything I could ever watch and passionate about it. You know, you, we, we always, I mean, back in those days, you know, the... The only way to know things about was buying Autosprint on Tuesday morning when he was coming out. You know, there was no internet. There was no, you know, Indica was not televised uh, over there. And uh, so it was like, you know, you're talking about the 80s also here, right? But so, but I was very, very passionate and interested, you know, I mean, of course, we all follow Mario, you know, and Mario, you know, after his Formula One career, he came over. So he had a lot of followings over in Europe and magazines and everything were writing about him. You know, I remember, you know, articles of him, you know, in auto sprints, you know, in his house in Nazareth, you know, in his private lake and, you know, all these things, you know, that he had, I mean, it's just like, um, it was a hero. So like you really, uh, as a kid, you know, that's, you know, what I was looking at. Absolutely. And um, so, you, I mean, before you came over to America, I'm going to guess you probably never did an oval. I mean, I don't know where you would have raced an oval. Um, so, I mean, over here no. was the first time you did an oval. So what was the first oval? You Was it Nazareth or did you test somewhere first? No, no. My my first oval experience uh, actually was in Michigan at the Michigan okay. Super Speedway. Yeah, um, it was Might as well uh, get out of the way right off the bat. Exactly right. Um, so, and this happened because um, in in um, in nineteen ninety four, um, I had in Portland, I think one of my best ever IndyCar race. I finished seventh uh, with Dale Coyne with a one year old car, very uh, limited engine program. I was running like four or five hundred reps less than anybody else, so the engine would last way longer. But um, we. I did um, an incredible race. I mean, I finished, I, I overtook Mario, Stefan, Johansson, Bobby Rail. I mean, I was like flying, right? So the team after that race, um, so top 10 back in those days, you know, where you had like Penske, it was like, it wasn't like a, a seven place of today, you know, it was a sort of a miracle and it was like well-deserved. It was not like, you know, 20 cars retired in front of me. So the team, Dale Coyne and, and, and Mike Lanigan decided that, you know, I should have given it a try to the ovals. And um, so they said, you know, Michigan 500 snacks, you know, we'll put you in the car. So, whoa, okay, great. <laughs> so I went and, um, and I was, uh, so in practice, I was, uh, I was really quick. I mean, I was, uh, you know, 14, 15, you know, still with a one-year-old car, limited engine, but it was taking me a while to get up to speed because I was just not used to it. And uh, so we, we did the last uh, quality simulations on the day. And so we put like four new tires and I went out, you know, one warm-up lap and two flying lap. And during the second flying lap, um, basically the front right tires um, mm. exploded. I got mm. a piece of debris and it blew up. I don't know if it was that or then also the brake disc got like completely. Jacques was right behind me and he saw this like black thing, you know, coming. And then I just went straight into the wall, like at 230 something miles an hour to, to 228, whatever it was. And uh, basically, I hit so hard that um, the front suspension went into the side of the car and basically broke the top, and but also broke my pelvis in mm. three pieces. Uh, my liver was damaged. You know, I was bleeding. It was a pretty nasty hit. Uh, so I spent like two nights in the hospital. Likely, the the liver healed himself, but that kind of like put a big uh, a bit dent in my uh, season because I was uh, supposed to drive just the road courses for Dale Coyne, you know, and then he was going to put like some other oval drivers uh, in, in the ovals. And um, unfortunately that, that was, uh, you know, uh, a very, very, very unfortunate start because I was, I was good and I, I was always good on ovals. I was fast and, but that was uh, rough and he sort of killed my 94 season because I went back in Nazareth, but I had to like, 
don't put weight in my right leg for like three weeks and you know I lost the sensitivity underneath my foot so braking accelerating wasn't the same thing and and um and I think we had Vancouver Laguna and another race so I only missed mid-Ohio uh but um it was hard for me to drive after such a shunt you know with um sure. being like uh, you know my strength in my legs and the car back in those days are not like they are today you know didn't have power steering had you know um 750 kilos cars you know with um, a manual shift you know you didn't have the little uh, thing in your steering wheel so you really had to to drive the the the, the car and and so it was hard but uh, so yeah that was my first day on an oval <laughs> The big thing that we hear about drivers that kind of came from the road course, you know, European circuits like you is when they come and do the ovals, just their neck, like just how much different it is on your neck and just the G forces on the oval. Um, was that something that um, I think it was Kristen Fittipaldi that told us a story where they asked him if he needed like the helmet, like an extra thing when yeah, the helmet the support, what was yeah. it? Yeah, helmet support. Well, He's like, no, 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 I have a strong neck. And he was like, yep, yeah. I. You said that was definitely a mistake. I mean, was that something that you really noticed? Yeah, I mean, of course, the, the G-force and the neck and the whole thing, it's its uh, its in my body. I mean, the, what really um, struck me driving in ovals more than, you know, of course, the neck, but then you have your, like, your headrest and you just, like, learn to, to, to handle yourself because it's almost impossible to have muscles that are going to hold your head for that long. <laughs> in uh, in a novel so you have to rely a little bit on the on the headrest that you know your head is not going anywhere because it's uh it's being held up pretty much uh it's really like the vision uh so where you actually don't look straight you have to look like up you know when you're in the banking you know to look at your line so uh, that was something that i uh, took me a little bit to get used to it um, but also uh, the level of concentrations that you needed to have um, when you when you're driving, and and also I think the other very uh, critical thing was that like when you're driving on a road course, if your car is understeer, oversteer, you know, like you have some issue with the handling, you know, you you sort of like really get it, you know, because you go into a corner and then you see like the front is pushing when you go on the gas, you know the back is turning around because we had no traction control back in those days right so uh in in the ovals you sort of have to feel the car right before it actually gets to that point right because you cannot just like say oh you know car is oversteering because you're in the wall right um <laughs> you can just say hey you know the car is i got like yeah maybe with the understeer is a little bit better because you feel a little push you know but it's not like in a road course where you can really, you know, miss a corner and you still like get away with it. You know, you really have to be super sensitive in in feeling your car and knowing what the issue is with the car. Yeah. Uh, who was it? Was it who was it? Jimmy Kite told him that if you feel it, uh, if it gives you a warning, listen to it because. Uh, oh uh, yeah, 100%. next time you. Yeah, I forget who told him that, but it, yeah, he was he was talking about that too. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice he ever got was if it gives you a warning, listen to it because you're not going to outdrive what it's telling. Yeah, yeah, no, so, no, that's exactly. So ninety, so ninety five is your first year at Indy. Um, I mean, what what was kind of your initial impression of Indy? Like the big thing people talk about is just how much different it is and how intimidating. People always say how intimidating it is going to the first turn at um i mean full full throttle i mean what what was that um experience like for you yeah i mean uh again for me the ovals were never uh, i i felt very comfortable with the speed you know it was never something that i and this is um you know throughout uh, my indie career i never really had uh, that issue my um and, and indy 95 for me was an incredible year because i was um on firestone was the first year Firestone came back and um I still drove uh then at that point Walter Payton kind of like had joined oh, yeah. the team with Dale and and so we were like a little bit but you know <laughs> you, you knew Dale back in those days you know he still had his one-year-old cars and you know very limited engine a lot different I, today 
It's a it lot, a lot different, different today. I know, I know. Uh, but I, I drove for him back in back in those days, and uh, and basically, I was like every day I was going out. We were like either the top ten or like eleventh. You know, I was super quick, and that was the year when. Like the whole team Penske didn't qualify. I don't know if you remember, right? The right. drama. Oh, yeah. That, uh, yeah. So, and um, and uh, and so for me it was like uh, unbelievable. You know, I was like super fast, and then in qualifying, I end up I think starting sixteen uh, or seventeenth. I don't know. You probably have the the grid that year. And I think I qualified, uh, I think, in front of Danny Sullivan and Paul Tracy, or they were just around me, you know, Brian Ayrton. I mean, with a one-year-old car and, you know, not not a good engine, you know, I, I qualified the car first attempt uh, also because we really didn't have a good good uh, spare car. So that, that was a one shot I had. And um, and I put the car there and, and I had an incredible race. I, I finished 11, just out of the top 10. Uh, and uh, I suffered a massive understeer the whole race because I got a piece of, uh, you remember there was the year that Eddie Cheever had the accident with Stan Fox mm-hmm. um, and I was just right around it and I got a huge piece of metal, you know, and it, I had a hole in, in my um, um, shock, uh, shock absorber's cover in the front. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I had a, my aerodynamics in the front was not really at its best, but, you know, I, I did a fantastic race and finished 11, you know, which was a forward rookie, um, with a one year old car, um, and, uh, you know, doing Indy for the first time. I mean, it was, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. It was tough, but I, you know, I was, uh, I was very happy. I finished my first Indy. 500 ever, uh, 11th in a one-year-old car, you know, maybe someone else should have noticed it, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's just like you kind of alluded to a while ago is just, man, who knows why certain things go the way they do. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you'll see somebody go out and not have what you think is a great race, but then or a great run of, run of races but you'll see somebody step up and take a chance on them whereas yeah. you'll see somebody else who will perform over and over again it's like they can't get that yeah that, yeah that I, mean, I mean i think honestly my two years you know with with dale uh even on 95 you know we had like uh i think i finished ninth in cleveland um and then i think in the top 10 in another race you know still with basically no resources and uh you know, I wish, you know, someone maybe would have given me a better chance, but, you know, it didn't, didn't work that way. And, um, you know, and then at the end of the season, you know, they'll, you know, basically sign a contract with me for 96. And, um, and then Roberto Moreno showed up with a few million dollars from data control and <laughs> got my right. seat. And, um, and that was, uh, you know, basically... Uh, I was with no ride for 96 and, and this is when um, I did the Indy 500, which that's another <laughs> story, right? My 1996 Indy 500. Right. And you, so, I mean, you still finished, you finished fourth in 96 yes, still? Yes, I finished fourth. Yes, I didn't, I didn't cross the start finish line, but I finished fourth because we, we lapped everybody. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why yeah. I didn't realize that was why, because I wondered yeah. why. You know, still yeah, gonna... yeah. That's a really odd turn of events, right? I mean, it's something that, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, how again? That's so such an oddity. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, if you think about it, I I got um, I get the ride with with Andy, you know, with Scandia driving the Lola that Alboreto uh, was driving in the previous events, and and basically. You know, last minute program, and um, I got you know the ride. I think I start seventh in the race, so I was on the inside of row three, um, and uh, with a car that, that Michele didn't want. You know, he uh, and he had bought the Rainer that Jacques won the year before with uh, with Barry Green. <laughs> so and he qualified, I think, seventeen or something like that. So. It was a good start. I was quick, and um, 
I went into the lead on uh, lap 170 and um, we had the fuel to go to the end. And, um, you know, I led the race for 20 laps until my rear right shock absorbers compression valves broke. Believe oh, it or okay. not, that was inside, you know, but that race was, uh, I think, well, I don't know if it still is, but it was one of the fastest Indy 500 ever mm -hmm. because they just repaved the whole speedway. And I think, you know, there was a lot of stress on the, on the car and on the shock absorbers. And, and so it failed and, and, uh, and the car became undrivable. And so I started losing, I had the full straightaway advantage on body year. So I was like way, way ahead. I was not like fighting with anybody. I was just flying with basically 10 laps to go. And then I started losing some speed, uh, heavy because of this and I didn't understand what was going on because how the hell in the world you think about your compression valve works right that's insane just thinking about it right and I thought I had a I thought I had a puncture but I didn't because then the car in the straightaway wasn't so bad and then uh, and then Linz and James and I don't know who else they crashed so it went full course yellow uh, and at that point I think I dropped down to second or third uh and during the, the the yellow i tried to understand what the hell was going on with the car and i just didn't want to pit because it was going to be the end of the race and so it was like i went from like winning the race to like living the worst nightmare in two minutes you know and and um and that is until you know we uh the the, the race started for the one last lap and uh basically on the last corner of the last lap, you know, Roberto Guerrero, which uh, he should have known better, went way too low and went into the dip on inside turn four, which everyone knew it was there except him probably, and uh, lost the car and just like start spinning into the group that we were coming up and he got me like right on and I went airborne in the fence at, you know, yeah. 225 miles an hour and, you know, basically... You know, had a huge shunt. I ended up in almost in pit lane, but you know, I was alive, <laughs> and uh, you know, with a lot of uh, feet injuries and surgeries ahead of me. But uh, you know, that was it. But I still finished fourth because we we lapped everybody. So. The foot injuries did it come? Was it from the fence itself, or was it from the fence post, or? Do they know? I mean, uh, look Do at they... the. We look at the video, and then you know you, you just see. I mean, it was just like a wreck. I mean, just, I my my just pick something right. Yeah, I mean, from the from the knee forward, you know, the car right. was was not there anymore. I mean, the car got right. basically chopped in two. Sure. In in three because I think even the engine was somewhere else. So it, it was massive. Yeah, I, so, I remember watching that, uh, not at the track, but I remember watching it uh, on TV, and I just, it was pretty stunning to watch. It was pretty... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I went from, like, being 10, 10 laps away of winning the 500 to the hospital. Right, so, right. And then 97... Uh, you and then 97, you, you came back. And I think that's important. I mean, a lot of people who have bad injuries like that, you know, it's almost kind of like a redemption, right? To kind of come back and, you know, show yourself that you can still do it. I mean, was that kind of the reason why um, you wanted to come yeah. back? Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course, you're a racer. You always wanted to come back and so you can still do it again. I mean, the, the goal of going back to racing really helped me a lot during the, my recovery process because it was, uh, you know, long and painful. And, um, you know, if I walk the way I walk now and, you know, live the live I do now, you know, is because of that, you know, I, I really worked very hard at the beginning and probably harder than anyone. And, and, uh, so having that goal really helps you mentally to go through that. Um, and, uh, because of that, I'm, I'm very thankful to, to, to Mike Lanigan and the whole Lanigan family that they told me, you know, Sando, if you want to come back, you know, we're behind you and, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna be with you. So, and that's why, you know, with, with Andy Evans, you know, we put together the effort for the first ever 1997 IRL season, right. And, uh, with the right. Lara car and everything else, I mean, I had a 
you know, on the paper, it was a very good effort, you know, except that, um, you know, uh, the events, you know, with the engines and all the issues, you know, that they were blowing up and the season was, you know, extremely, extremely complicated and difficult. But I ended up, you know, qualifying again um, at the Indy 500. Uh, <laughs> and that that I will never forget because that uh, I got uh, bumped out with my first car and then I had to qualify on bump day. And hmm. so I went out like at the very, very last minute before six o'clock. And I think it was like five, 35 something, you know, where everyone wants to be out, you know, because of, of the happy hour. And, um, and during my second lap, it started to, to, to rain. To, so raindrops in my head, in my helmet, right? So, and indeed, you don't know if like it's can rain in one corner and be dry in another. So it was just like I had for two and a half laps, three laps, you know, with drops in my helmets, not knowing if the truck was going to go yellow or not, you right. know, like qualifying for the 500 after, you know, you're back from an injury. I mean, the, 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 the flood of emotions during that run is, I still remember like if it was yesterday, I mean, I really had to, you know, hold it tight, you know, keep your foot down and just go for it. You know, it's, it's, uh, because either, you know, if I was going to hesitate, hesitate just in one corner, I would have been out. Right. So when you, uh, when you go out for a qualifying run, Indy, when did you, did you have a certain routine? Did you start working to get into a mindset or is it something that you just easily flow into? No, I mean, like, um, when you, when you're a race car driver and you have your, you're so used to it to, to sort mm -hmm. of like, uh, you know, getting yourself ready, it's either for a race or for a quality qualifying run. And, you know, like, uh, qualifying in a novels is different than do it on a straight circuits and uh, because everything has its own procedure. So, but you're, you're mentally prepared. You sort of isolate yourself from the whole world. You know, you concentrate, you focus, you, you concentrate on your car. You, you have your last feeling and sensations of the car from the last time you drove it. But of course, you know, when you go in, it's always unknown, you know, because conditions sure. have changed, you know, the weather changed, uh, temperature has changed. So that is like the biggest challenge when you qualify, you know, like an Indian. Uh, you know, you, you don't know exactly what you're going to find out there. And, uh, you only, you know, you can wave, of course, your attempt, uh, at least, I don't know if it's still the same nowadays, you know, but back in the days you had like three attempts with, with mm -hmm. for each chassis. Right. So, and that's how you do it. And then, um, after, you know, kind of wrap it up, I know you got to go here in a second, but kind of after, after Indy, you, you get into poor super cup. Um, and I mean, you, you did poor super cup for 15 about, years, 15 years. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it seemed like you kind of find your place in that and, um, you won a championship. Um, what was that kind of like going from, you know, IndyCar racing, which obviously extremely competitive to, um, you know, poor super cup. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, probably the smartest decision I ever took because, uh, <laughs> I mean, um, when uh, when you live in the car, you know, I, I realized that that was the end of my career, right? So uh, I just didn't want to be, like, chasing rides right and left and, right. you know, like, changing championship and just, like, being in them. So I said, I'm just going to, you know, focus on working, you know, and get my second life as a businessman. You know, I love business. I love real estate. And, you know, back in the days, my family had a car dealership group. So I ran that. Um, so, uh, but I said, I have still so much passion. So where, what can I find, you know, that's kind of like checks all the boxes, right? So, <clears throat> and when I look at the Super Cup, I said, it's Porsche, you know, they're beautiful cars. They're not super fast and not like super dangerous, right? Uh, and uh, you race with Formula One events, so beautiful racetracks with a lot of fans. You know, I still got to, you know, travel and see beautiful places. And uh, I get to drive 30, 45 minutes on Friday, 30 minutes qualifying on Saturday, and a 35 minutes race on Sunday. So physically, it's not really <laughs> that demanding. <laughs> And uh, they're like some really good prize money and sponsors are like 
love to be part of the Super Cup because you're with a Formula One event. So, uh, you know, you had teams that had great sponsors and everything. So I could really make some really, really good money doing it. So, I mean, and then there's like 10, 12 events in a year. So it was like the perfect combination. And um, and I enjoyed it so much uh, that, uh, you know, I, I had great memories. I don't think any other drivers uh, ever, ever made the Super Cup for 15 years in a row. I think I did 158 races and being a champion. So it was um, quite a, I would say, a last stint of my career that I really, really enjoyed it because uh, it was fantastic. I think that's great, though. I mean, to go through the ups and downs and then you find... You find kind of, I wouldn't say your place, but you find a place that you really enjoy and, and you yeah. do it the way you want to do it and have fun and be competitive. I that, I mean, you can't ask for anything more, right? At the no, end no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, after I won the championship again, you know, after my injuries and all my up and downs, and I mean, and uh, it was damn competitive. I mean, it's a one make series, so it's not like there's a Wrong, lot of yeah. things that you can invent. So, but it was, I, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> sorry that's okay there you go. absolutely cool. well um well sky you have anything else no i'm so sorry about it go ahead and finish your thought on that uh, my apologies alessandro that's okay it's okay i like dogs so go ahead and finish your thought though on, on the Porsche super cup just the the championship and, and running the end. No, I mean I've said you know having won uh, in two thousand and and five um, as I won the, the Super Cup, it was uh you know sort of like a perfect um, I don't say ending you know but it's like you know proving again that I could be you know still very fast being even like thirty five or thirty four that I was at the time. Um, and, um, doing it in Monza because I, I became champion in Monza in my, oh, that's great. in Italy. Yeah. So it was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was super and, uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. And then in the meantime, you know, I started to build all my business career, which I, I love, uh, which I'm still doing. And, um, you know, after all these years, I, you know, for me, every day is like uh, when I was racing, you know, I'm, you know, I go at the same speed with the same challenge. Uh, real estate is uh, pretty much the same <laughs> as the same intensity as a, as a <laughs> race weekend. Yeah, except that you have that every, every day and not just on weekends. So, but I love it. You know, I love design. I love, you know, what I do. And, um, you know, I've been pretty successful too. So I'm fantastic. I have a still my beautiful wife with me and uh, we have uh, two children uh 21 and 23 uh oh wow so yeah so all good one lives in la the other one lives in london for now so, well that's that's good they're having a good life that's yeah. for sure yeah, yeah yeah absolutely let me ask you let me ask you one last question i'm sorry i, I know you gotta go um talent do you do you think how much of talent, I mean, how much of the skill sets do you think that is learned and how much of it is you're just born with? I think uh, the speed inside you, you're born with. is just like you, you, you can't really, you know. Uh, and then if you have that, uh, then, you know, you learn, you can learn all the techniques. You can, you learn how to control your speed and, and you learn how to uh, maximize uh, your, your speed skills and, and your ability to drive a race car. But I think <clears throat> the, the, the most, uh, um, how can I say, um, uh, skills you need to have is like really uh, having the strength of never give up. Right, because motorsports is just like so hard on you that it's just like if you're uh, not a, if you don't have a hard heart and, and a lot of passions and a lot of motivations and you're not giving up, you know, there's a lot of uh, actually funny enough. My my son just did a, a short documentary on Stefan Johansson. Uh, my son okay. is studying film and television so and, and I stayed friend with Stefan so he did a little piece and, and Stefan in his interview did uh, said something very very interesting that he said there was a lot of drivers you know that I got in 
you know, why, while I was racing them, maybe they were even better than me as drivers, you know, but, you know, they end up giving up, you know, they just didn't try hard enough. And then that, if you do that, you know, that's it, you know, but if you, you know, don't give up and, and always fight. And, and if you know you're good and you can get it, you know, you, you're definitely going to go somewhere. Then it either means being an IndyCar champion or a Formula One world champion or being, you know, a very good driver and enjoy and have a career. That's a different story. You know, that's uh, it's right. another chapter. But, um, you know, that's that's my piece of advice that I can have to any kid that's racing out there. Don't give I up. Think that's, I think that's awesome advice. That's for sure. On my side, I don't have any more uh, questions. Aaron, you got anything? I don't. Thank you so much, Alexander, for your time. It's an honor. And, um, yeah, I hope you have a good Absolutely. night. And, yeah, thanks again. Thank you. Thank I you. I hope guys. we can speak again. <laughs> you, you got you got an open invite anytime you want. So thank you. I, I'm in New York, so if you guys ever come over, we'll have a drink. If you ever, yeah, and if you ever come to Indy, we'll do the same. Thank you so much. 